What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the OKC82 podcast, also known as right now the post-game show, because, and we'll get to that in a second, we'll complain in a little bit, but this is Brady Trantham, and joined by Mr. Chisholm Holland, who has been absent for the last few Wednesdays. I've been because, boycotting. Well, we've actually had basketball on during I, Wednesdays w- at I, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Ever since the bubble for Chicago has been canceled. I've been boycotting the NBA because if my Bulls can't play meaningless basketball in a second bubble, then I don't want to talk about it. So is that officially squashed? Or is yeah, it, yeah, that's under, yeah. Is it just because Steve Kerr said he didn't want to do it? Is that why? I, I think they might have realized that it was a stupid idea in the first nanosecond that someone conceived it. Well, why, why is it a stupid idea? Well, so we can all admit that this bubble has worked very well in Orlando. Yes. It's taken extensive resources. Yes. Are they going to do the same? This is not what people tuned in to hear. Are they going to do the same for the second bubble? No. So therefore, they're putting players at risk. Yes. For what? Games that don't matter. Yes. If these, uh, if they want to scrimmage, just go scrimmage. Yeah, well, hopefully they're allowed to scrimmage because I just don't want to see... I don't want to see like Trey Young or the Warriors who are supposed to be good when the season begins whenever it is allowed to. Sure. They're supposed to be good. I want to see Trey Young make a leap, but if he doesn't Does play, anyone think eight random games in a second bubble of Chicago is going to be the difference? It's it's better than it's better than nothing. Yeah, it's risk reward. I'm all about. I mean, risk I reward. guess so. But anyway, what you're all here to listen to is the Thunder's miraculous the Texas Rangers baseball game. Okay. Currently, oh yeah, we forgot to complain. Okay, so we were supposed to be on the radio tonight doing a post game show. That's typically what happens when you have a basketball team that plays in your city. Yeah, and you work at a radio station. You're t- a sports station at that. You're kind of supposed to like, oh, well, I guess we should go on and talk about what just happened. Especially when we all kind of agree that we don't know if we're going to get college football. Correct. But we know that the NBA is probably going to be able to finish. I would say I'm, I'm relatively confident. They've had no positive tests thus far in the entire month and a half they've been down in Orlando. Thank goodness. Um, teams are about to start leaving as we get closer to the playoffs. Family members, other friends are going to be able to come in. But I think you can assume now that because of all the protocols and how they've worked, it doesn't matter if they're bringing in more people, especially when other people are leaving. Sure. It should be going fairly swimmingly from here on out. But yeah, so let's, um, I got an idea. Let's broadcast a baseball game. You know, that sport that's kind of pissing around, embarrassing itself, trying to scream from the mountaintops that we're not dead. We're still America's pastime. Watch us. I think pastime is a really it's, fitting name. It is past its fucking time. Yeah. And it's past our time because we should have uh, already mentioned that the Thunder came back and defeated the Miami Heat 116-115 to 115 off a miraculous Mike Muscala three-pointer. And right now, Chisholm, I'm having flashbacks to way back in the day, way back in the um, preseason where I was driving to your house to do a weekly show. And if you recall, I'm driving up the highway – to get over, get over to your house, and I see a billboard with uh, Mike Muscala's face on it, and it was like, sign up today for Thunder Season tickets, and then it had Mike Muscala on it. Hell yeah. And I told you on the podcast, and you just laughed for about 10 minutes. Absolutely. Well, let me tell you how important this big three-pointer Mike Muscala made with five seconds remaining, with the Thunder down two, what this did. It guaranteed the Thunder and the Rockets in the 4-5 spot in the playoffs. Which so, is really interesting. Chris, Chris Paul's playing his old team. Russell Westbrook's playing his old team. A lot wait, of wait, fun. wait. This isn't a Tabo Cephalosha revenge game or a Jeff Green revenge Tabo's game? Tabo's not there. It's also James Harden's old team, if you really want to think about it. Jeff oh, Green's yeah. old team. 
What other former Thunder players? They like all of them. Yeah, they tried out Raymond Felton. Does that count? Lazar Hayward is he still? I don't think he's on there. He's still getting a cup yeah. of coffee. Well, well, yeah. So that happened as a result of the Mike Muscala three, and now the Sixers get the much questioned first round pick in twenty twenty one. They're getting it now because Mike Muscala hit a three. So right off the bat, Chisholm, I'm going to ask you before we get into the game: Do you think Sam Presti's regretting his decision of going to absolutely Mike Muscala's house? cost him the pick? Costing the pick that goes to yeah. the Sixers. Mike Muscala's like walking into whatever locker rooms down there in Orlando in that arena, and he's like, everyone's high fiving him. He's so so happy. And St. Brace is like, you idiots! What have you done? Absolutely, because now you don't get the twenty fifth pick and the twenty first pick now, or the twentieth pick. You just get the just the twenty fifth pick or whatever Denver ends up being. I, I would say that actually, people are kind of sweeping that under the rug, and I'm a little guilty of that. I think it would be nice to have that draft set this year because then you could turn 25 and 20 to 15 and, you know, five spots up. Maybe Preston yeah. gets his guy. Usually what I've been telling people when they've asked me because I had to, like, actually be privy to what was going on. And, like, over the last week and a half, I finally nailed it down. I was like, okay, if this happens, then this is what happens with the draft pick. Because back during the season, I was like, I don't know. I'm still trying to, like, get a beat on this team. This team's kind of interesting. I don't care about the future. But one thing that I've kind of thought was really important is – if the Thunder are just kind of like they were the last few years where they have Russ Westbrook, Paul George, and they're drafting at the end of the first round, you never want to say no to a first-round draft pick, but because they are not, they don't have a plethora of picks, that random first-round pick in 2021 may not be as important. But when you have a plethora of picks and you have so many assets that you can potentially like package together to move up higher in the draft, this is kind of an important little loss for them. It's not the end of the world, but... It's just, you know, something to think about. That's what Mike Muscala did to the Thunders franchise. That's what he will always be known for. Yeah, and it turned around the Sixers franchise entirely. Now Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Brett Brown will have it all figured out. I know they're not going to have to blow it up anymore. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think so. Um, yeah, so outside of that, I think uh, the the big standpoint of this game is nothing really mattered. It's like that song, nothing really matters. Um, and so it's all just about now the playoffs, right? Like we had this, this game on Friday with the Clippers at 530 and I, Brady, they might call you to come try to play in this game because they're they're going to have no interest in playing from either team because what are the Clippers playing for? They're locked into the two. What are the what are the Thunder playing for? The four seed, so they can be home court at a neutral site, probably not. So I mean, now I mean, basically we have a week right to kind of look forward to what is the Houston. Thunder matchup going to be like? What is Russell Westbrook's gonna return going to be? What is this mystery injury that got announced this afternoon with Russell Westbrook? How does that impact this series? What is Chris Paul going to be like as, uh, as far as the revenge factor is concerned? I will say he's probably the uh, member of the Thunder who's most excited about this matchup because I'm positive Chris Paul wants revenge. I'm positive. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of Chris Paul's best individual games this year were against Houston. Even in that first game at the very beginning of the year when the Thunder went to Houston... They lost a close game, which kind of opened my eyes to this team overall because that was still, like I said, early in the year, and I was still in the frame of mind of at some point this is going to end. Like, yeah. get rid of Chris. Bottom's going to fall out. Get rid of Danilo, then they're going to be a bad team. They go down to Houston, and they don't get run out of the gym. Actually, they did get run out of the gym the first quarter, and they came back, made it a game in the second half, and I was like, okay, maybe there's something here. But Chris has played phenomenal against the Rockets thus far, and who knows what we're going to get with uh, Russell Westbrook's injury. He – uh Apparently has a strained quadricep, which you talked about earlier today on Triple M Ranch on the radio. Uh, was it Sam Mays that just thinks that this is a fluke? Or not a fluke. No, no, no. He was A he, ruse, or is that you as well? No, not me. Uh, no, Sam 
threw out this uh, cockamamie idea that maybe this is all a big ploy for Houston to try to like lure the OKC Thunder into playing in the first round by faking an injury. I think all that is a little far-fetched. Um, I will say, I've done a little bit of research on quad contusions all over the place. I So, I mean, that guy could be back on Friday and be playing, or that guy... Uh, you know, could miss you know the first three or four games. I think really anything's in play here, which is a total wild card, uh, which really I think will make this series impossible to pick going into it because you just don't know what you're going to get unless they rule in Russell Westbrook before game one, which if you're Mike D'Antoni, why the hell would you do that? Yeah. You know, if, if he's going to play in game one, they'll just say like, you know, an hour before tip-off that Russell Westbrook's playing. They're not going to say that two or three days in advance. Or, but D'Antoni's probably just like, screw it, go out there. Yeah, do whatever. That's my, my last. Oh, so you're hurt. Thirty-eight minutes instead of forty-two. <laughs> oh, that's just a nice little healthy night. Uh, but we are burying the lead a little bit. I mean, I know everyone. Is this the lead? Do we need to talk about this game? Lou Dort is, I think, fairly oh, important. Okay, okay, yeah, sure. And uh, something that made it even a little bit more important than what we saw in the game because it looked pretty gnarly when he bumped knees with Jay Crowder. Both players left the left the game, never came back. Hey, what do you bump a D? Um. Yeah, so after the game, Billy Donovan comes to the podium, and Eric Horn from The Athletic asks... He's asked three questions first. He's asked three questions first. God. God in heaven. He's asked three questions first, then Eric Horn from The Athletic asks, okay, so what's Lou Dortz? Like, what's up with him? And Billy said, of course, in typical Thunder fashion, I don't know right now. Uh, It's a knee injury, uh, but we should have more... We'll probably put out a message tonight or tomorrow. And the reason why it kind of concerns me is that, well, we we assumed probably, I, I'm sure you did, Chisholm, uh, we assumed that they were probably going to get some MRI done because he left the game, never came back. It's just kind of a precaution. But I would not be shocked if we get some bad news tonight. I'm not saying like, because he, oh. he walked off the floor under his own power. but Debbie Downer here. I, I just didn't What like, did Billy I, say I, after I, Steven's injury against uh, JaVale McGee postgame? He was really nonchalant about it. Okay. Because also Steven came back and played. That's true. That's true. So now Steven in the post game, sh- in the post game, during our post game show, because there was no Ranger game that day. But during our post game show on the radio, I had the, my computer on and I had the volume just a little bit so I can hear that and talk on the, sh- on the radio. And Steven kind of blurted out, like, oh, no chair. Cause they didn't give him a chair. He's like, no chair. Well, I fucked up my knee. And I was like, is he just kidding or. Or is he not? And yeah. Then he, then he missed the next two or three games. I can't remember. Yeah. But um, no, that's definitely a big loss if they lose him for a, a few games, like a few weeks, because that's obviously. I don't know if the NBA's released their playoff scheduling as of yet, or have they? No, no, no. Because no. all all we know right now is the play-in tournament, which is going to be happening, is going to happen uh, Saturday, and then if the eight seed loses that first game, then Monday. So I'd assume the first round would probably start on Wednesday of next week, if I had to guess. That's just me. Wednesday the end dark. of the week. So if you out Lou Dort for a week or, or a few weeks, then... I can't can... imagine it's that serious based off nothing other than my uh, untrained eye watching the video. I, I think if uh, the playoff game was on Friday, Lou would play. I don't think he will play, though, against the Clippers. I think we'll probably see him in the first game of the playoffs. That should just be Devin Hall playing 40, 48 minutes. Seriously. Get Kevin Hervey out there. Some Devin Hall, Kevin Hervey pick and rolls. Get it rolling. Sam Presti's like sending Billy the memo like, I hate Mike Muscala right now. Play him 48 minutes. He gets no breath. Yeah. <laughs> Take it out on him because they don't get this pick. No, so, so yeah. So, of course, that's going to be something that's going we're going to keep an eye on. Um, Terrence Ferguson did come in and play. 
a few way more than he has in this. Well, he started time. the second half and played Louis Dort, which yeah. I thought was an odd choice. He played twenty three. He played twenty three minutes. Played fairly well. I mean, he was one of five from the floor, but we all know what he is offensively. But defensively, I was, I, I appreciated his ability on that end of the floor to cool off the heat. No pun intended, because that was totally on purpose. I mean, I, I was sh- like, I told you out loud, like I was pretty shocked. The Heat finished fourteen of forty-two from the three-point line, and I feel like, yeah, because a lot of their, you know, high-end level players didn't play much of the second half. But man, they just chucked up threes. We got Myers Leonard 0-4, Solomon Hill two of six, Gabe Vincent. I don't even know who that is. I'm a Heat fan. One of six. Shout out Gabe Vincent. Uh, Andre Iguodala 0 for four from the floor. I mean, they just shot themselves out of this game, but the Heat had his, had a 22-point lead, and the Thunder kept clawing back and clawing back, and I know it doesn't really matter. I, I understand that. I know, you know, meaningless comeback. It's kind of felt like a preseason game, kind of felt like the Sixers come back in those scrimmages, but just like I thought watching that game, Chisholm, against the Sixers with that comeback was, yeah, it doesn't matter right now. It doesn't matter this season, really, but I liked what I saw out of our mutual favorite player, Darius Baisley. I liked what I saw out of Andre Robertson. A lot of the guys that we're watching and thinking, well, if they can make a leap or if they can continue the development that they're on, we can depend on them to play some more than an important role in the postseason. And I think Darius has played his way in the bubble to a point where, yeah, like I don't think he's going to be, I don't know if he's going to be that much of a mismatch that Houston's going to be able to key off of to get him off the floor. And the same thing with Andre Robertson. The shot looks smoother, cool. I don't know if that's going to actually matter, but apparently he might he might like shooting in an empty gym. We don't know, but the, there doesn't appear to be that much of a hitch anymore with his shot. Uh, but his conditioning seems to be improving every single game. His minutes subtly increase. So if you're going to play Houston, you need Andre Robertson. So those things really excite me in this comeback. Kamadu Diallo with his energy, of course, is always fun to watch, but... Yeah, the, the comeback was ultimately meaningless in this season other than the p- playoff seeding, but I liked what I saw of the developmental guys. Yeah, uh, Eric Horn actually followed up after Lou, the, the Lou Dort question and said, well, with what you see from Andre Robertson, how confident are you that he could jump in and play a bigger role in the playoffs if needed? And, you know, Billy kind of gave the, he's progressing every day, yada, yada, yada. But I think that's an inter- interesting question. If Lou Dort is not ready for round one, he's not ready for game one, I guess the great thing is you have this ace in your back pocket of a former all-defensive player who almost won def- or was potentially going to win Defensive Player of the Year. He got his name in the NBA entirely from Garden James Harden. And, I mean, now obviously Russell Westbrook is a part of the Rockets as well, but his status is up in the air. But I think that is a nice little thing to kind of have in your back pocket. And I, I think Andre looks fine. I Truthfully, I have had less concerns about his conditioning than Billy has. There's only been once that I've really noticed, like, okay, yeah, he's just not quite there in basketball shape yet. I think he's closer than maybe they're originally leading on, just because they, uh, as an organization, love to keep expectations low. Oh yeah, uh, for their players, I-, I would say he's looked fine. Uh, I haven't really noticed anything up until this point, but uh, I-, I think he is a-, a guy I would really have circled. And Darius Baisley's absolutely played his way into uh, playoff rotation. Uh, game one, he'll be one of the first few guys off the bench. Yeah, like the, the only the only things that I've really noticed with Andre, I think, have been more mental lapses, and it's mainly because he's playing four and five. And sometimes he gets spotted up on the five defensively when the opponents go small, and he'll get lost 
in the sea of bodies. Sure. I haven't really noticed anything where I'm like, well, he looks like a step too slow or anything. But, you know, that's what Or Billy just wants. gassed, right? Like, yeah. I mean, that's a big part of it, too. Like, running sprints and suicides and all those things is different than playing a full-court basketball game. And I, I haven't even noticed that he's, like, gassed. But, you know, I very easily could be missing it. Billy's probably paying attention closer than I am. But I think that's kind of been overstated. They're like, oh, we need to get Andre to play into shape. I just have not seen that so far. Yeah, Darius Baisley, 8 of 14 from the floor, 5 of 8 from the three-point line. Again, another game where he chucks up seven or more three-point shots. and Loves his three-point jumper now, man. Yeah. He loves it. If he can, if he can hit it, like a, uh, Joe Masato from the Oklahoma put out, he's shooting like 46% on 36 attempts in the bubble. Yeah. Nice, nice little sample size. Maybe he'll make all bubble. A little Gary Trent Jr. Maybe he'll make all bubble second team. Yeah, TJ Warren's got that first team locked up. Maybe Baisley can get that second one. Well, we can only hope. Here's a weird thing before we get to the other surprising thing and probably the last thing we'll talk about with this game and this podcast. Danilo Gallinari was, like, bad. He was 2 for 10. His shot just looked off the entire game. He only played 21 minutes. But he got to the foul line 10 times. Hit all 10 of his free throws. I would say I am blown away by how many times OKC is intentionally running offense that the culmination of this offense is throwing a weird lob to Danilo Gallinari. And this is not me complaining because it works. Steven is usually the guy passing the ball to Danilo in these situations. But seriously, go watch. Not like Nerlens Noel up high and then you know he slams it down dunk lobs. That's not what I'm talking about. They throw these little float passes over the top of the defense and Danilo just kind of catches it and just waits for someone to foul him. And then he goes to the free throw. They've been doing that all, all year in the bubble. All eight of these games, they've been doing these weird little flip-up passes, and they're throwing lob passes to Danilo, which is a guy who could like jump over a phone book, like barely. So it, it's a surprising strategy, but Danilo's really good with the ball in the air, and I think he's been uh, making a pretty good offensive uh, rotation out of that. I think it's catching teams off guard. I really do. I think it's a nice little wrinkle in their offense right I've, now. I've always felt like Danilo Gallinari is that type of player that he's, he's obviously not athletic. I don't want to say anything else because it's going to sound insulting, but... He always catches people off guard offensively. Well, I just think you know it, you know what I'm talking about. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I mean, every time he dunks, I'm like, oh, Danilo. Uh, I mean, but they always they have these moments where they're you're running this offense, running this offense, and then Danilo Gallinari will have a point guard on him. Well, that's not a huge deal because I had Danilo will post up, but he's not going to back someone down and two hand dunk over the top of him. Well, he just seals the guy on his backside. They throw a lob over the top, and Danilo goes up and shoots the layup. It's just another little wrinkle that they probably run 10 times a game, and I it it catches the other team off guard more often than not. It is, it is a nice little thing that Billy Donovan has installed in this quarantine. You know Tyler Hero is averaging 24 points I don't a game want to... in the bubble? <laughs> yeah, I... and I'm, I'm sure he's also averaging 24 DMs a minute in the bubble. I mean, dude, when you're young and you're a millionaire... And you're pretty good at basketball. Come on now. It's not hate. Just truthfully, I'm just shocked he's not the one who's popped the bubble. He's also the one who filed a complaint immediately with the uh, the news this afternoon about know, who could be included and who could not. I know 19-year-old Tyler here are going to be like, I've known her for years. You are 19. Absolutely. You, you don't know anything for years, sir. He's going to be like, look. Look at this picture of me with her sitting in a thong on a boat. Now look at this picture of me sitting with her in a thong on the beach. Yes. Now look at this picture of me sitting with her. I mean, it's just going to be over and over and over yeah. again. And here is $5,000. Thank yeah. you. Um, in the pregame show, you had the big question. Do we need to explain any of that? Because I feel like we just referenced a whole thing. Tyler Didn't... Hero likes IG models. And the NBA made a rule that IG models are not allowed at the bubble. Yes. Cool. So we... I feel like we didn't explain anything. We I just made a bunch of jokes. We can't sneak 
correspondent Madison Morris into the bubble, unfortunately. Is she an IG model? She's an influencer, so she's... Is she? She's on that Is she self-proclaimed, or are you calling her an influencer? Well, I mean, you don't have Instagram. I don't. Well, she, there's evidence to support... Oh, she's like posting. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, her photos. If you are going to make the case that she's an IG model, there is evidence on her Instagram that would uh, make it make it hard to defend against. What? Okay. Is she like peddling product? Um, she did. She uh, she modeled for some bikini uh, thing, or it wasn't bikinis. It was like bathing suits. I know. I know. Like, the she I makes fun of Instagram I, it's, models. It's the irony, man. Well, you could. OKC82 Podcast, I'm not an official member of this podcast. This is a Brady Madison thing. Don't get it twisted. But I would like to make an official complaint of hypocrisy. <laughs> I have heard her make fun of Instagram models more than anyone else in my life. And you're telling me she has been modeling on Instagram? It's I, It has to be one of those things where like she looks in the mirror and she just cannot stand what she sees. <laughs> right. What I, have I become? I hate who I've become. <laughs> I get that. I have those moments, too. Yeah. And she'll just find herself down in Orlando in the next few weeks. Somehow. Can I tell you, so I know that we have hundreds of thousands of listeners on this podcast, but I'm going to tell the story because it's here, not the radio. Today on the uh, Triple M Ranch, I referenced binge drinking. And I, you know, I said, you know, I made a few mistakes in college. So on and, and Sam so was forth. like, that sounds like my Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a professor from college texted me. Oh, no. And he's like, I can attest. Oh, man. Referenced a couple of stories. I was like, I'm not proud of who I was. I'm just proud of who I am, damn it. Did he text your phone or text Yeah, text no, my line? phone. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Oh, wow. Man. Yeah, I, I was like, I always got to remember people are listening, yeah. I have a really, really good memory. Childhood, teenage years, the last few years, but there's like a black hole from the years 2012 to 2014, so when I was in college. Yeah. I can't remember a damn thing. Sure. I was drunk every day. Yeah. Not, not, I didn't quite get th hit that point, but I had a few I had a few very high points. Yeah. Well, it was the Landry Jones era. It was a dark time. So, the pregame show, Chisholm, you asked, so who are the Thunder going to put on Jimmy Butler? Because I think some people might... Their this brain... is my talking point. I've only got one with the Thunder. Who the hell guards wings? There you go. I, I would assume some people would probably instinctually want to say, well, Lou Dort, right? Because he's I like the defensive too, yeah. guy, blah, blah, blah. And he guard LeBron James. If you guys remember, Lou Dort was on Kevin Porter Jr. Or Michael Porter Jr., not Kevin Porter. Kevin Porter Jr.? Who is that the dude from USC? Okay, yeah, he plays it for Portland. Yeah, there you go. All right. Good job, Brady. No, uh, Lou was on Michael Porter Jr., and it was over from the get-go in that matchup. And, you know, Lou is he's great at what he does. And... We have low expectations for him because he's a two-way guy, and he is he is no earned, longer a two-way guy, sir. You need to lose that moniker. He came out of it, of course, earned his contract, and he has earned everyone's respect. But the, at some point, there is like a height differential. Yeah, that's a disadvantage. And when it's Michael Porter Jr., he's at a disadvantage. Jimmy Butler, um, disadvantage, which is why I'm like, yeah, I, they're probably not gonna put Lou on him. I would assume not. So. Maybe they start somebody else, maybe, but not Shea Gildas-Alexander. And guess what? SGA's d him up, start yeah. the game. Yeah, I don't know really what to make of that. Um, so, Michael Porter Jr. is 6'10", in every inch of it. And they started Lou Dort on Michael Porter Jr. LeBron James is 6'8", six, 6'9", six, yep. in every inch of it. And they started Lou Dort on him. And then they played Jimmy Butler. Ooh, Jimmy Butler is 6'6", six, six? so we're talking... 
shorter than LeBron. But he plays much like you know how LeBron is as big as he is, but he plays much faster than what he looks like. Sure. Jimmy Butler plays much bigger than what he looks sure. like. Sure. Yeah. Michael Porter Jr. is four inches taller than him. I and they throw Shea on him. And I, that's what I would have done. I was just surprised that's the conclusion that the Thunder came to. Um, I think Shea has a chance to be a very good defensive player. I don't think he'll ever be a Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, number one lockdown guy. I don't think that's in his future. But I think he can be a, a positive on defense for sure. Yeah. Mainly because he just gives a shit. If Shea is your number one option against Jimmy Butler's, the LeBron James's, the Kawhi Leonard's, the Paul George's of the world, they're going to have an uphill battle. But everyone knows they're going to have an uphill battle this year anyway. But that it, that would be a, a telltale sign. And I thought pretty early on Jimmy Butler hit him with the, I don't know if you know this, I'm pretty good at this basketball thing. <laughs> You're new here. Allow me to introduce myself. And he went full Jay-Z. I, I, I mean, Jimmy wasn't dominant by any stretch, but I thought it was pretty clear that Shea really didn't know how to handle Jimmy. And, I, you know, I don't know if I really expect him to. This bubble is so weird because if we're just talking about the last eight games of a normal regular season, especially with the Thunder, the last two years, the Thunder have still been playing hard in those la in that scenario because they're always constantly fighting for seeding at the last right. second. So they're playing all their players, they're playing all their starters, heavy minutes. But in these eight final eight games, we're not like looking at like even some of the young players on this Thunder roster and, and like taking a lot out of that sample size because at the end of the day, it's just an eight game regular season sample so you're not, size. You tell me, Devin Hall's last two games well, don't mean much. I just, I really. I really want Billy Donovan to answer this question. Like, how much can you take out of this? Because there's so many factors. Like, one, these are technically regular season games, so you can apply that same logic to it, I guess. But at the same time, they're more hyper-focused, so maybe you can't. But we took three and a half, four months off before here, so some guys might be hot. Some guys might who are actually good may not be hot. Like Mike Muscala? Like Mike Muscala. <laughs> um like, I, I just don't know, but I think with a player like Darius Baisley, who was fairly consistent as a two-way player in the regular season, given his expectations and what he's been able to do in the bubble, like I want to be excited for that, and I want to be able to take as much out of these eight games as possible. But even going back to Shea, what he's been able to do in this bubble like doesn't apply to anything at all because the Thunder are going to get Dennis Schroeder back, which I guess that's actually the last thing we can end on. But... Um, SGA running the offense bad, not very good. Um, today he had a much better game. He only played 24 minutes. He was 6-9 from the floor, uh, 2 or 3 from the three-point line, 18 points. Uh, looked like more of his normal self, I guess, offensively, but also because Chris Paul was on the floor with him basically the entire – like I don't remember the, a su substantial amount of time where SGA is like on the floor by himself, like the other examples, the other games. But um, as it, in regards to Dennis Schroeder, Billy Dom in pregame said – that Dennis actually arrived Monday night. Um, he posted that video in his hotel room on Tuesday. So I think people assume that he arrived Tuesday. Um, so he arrived Monday night. So if he tested negative every day he was out of Orlando for that week, then he only has to quarantine four days, which would, in theory, make him available for that meaningless Clippers game. But Billy, in typical Thunder fashion, when he was straight up asked... How long is Dennis quarantining for? Billy didn't want to answer, didn't want to comment. He just left it up to the NBA's league-mandated protocols. It's like, did he test positive out of the bubble? Did he test negative? We assume that he did. It's a four-day quarantine. Just tell us. 
I don't want to have to ask you tomorrow. I don't want to have to ask you the next day. Please, just forget that you work HIPAA, for the bro. HIPAA. HIPAA? Is that right? Am I doing this right? Yeah. Some of the Thunder staffers were claiming HIPAA um, when this all started on that jazz game that night. I wasn't there, but Ryan Chapman was there, and they were all trying to get information, not just Ryan, but all the rest of the media. They were all trying to get information, like not just for their jobs, but like, hey, Personal safety, should we yeah. be concerned? And all they got at the beginning was a whole bunch of HIPAA. It's like, this is a public health concern. Stop. Like Sam Presti, stop pretending that your little fantasy world of secrecy applies to everything. And this is this is me complaining, but just say that we he's complained quarant- at the start, Brady, not the just end. Just say he's fucking quarantined for four days so we can move on with our lives. Hey, Brady, Whoosh. he's got quarantine for four days. I mean, okay, cool. Anytime you need me to solve this for you, I got you, bro. Are you texting Dennis like when he's gone? Like, hey, do I? Get, did you get tested? No. Uh, fun story about Chisholm. I've only had two NBA players' numbers in my entire life. Both of them flamed out. And I'll just let everyone's imagination wander of who those two people would be. Darius Baisley, third consecutive 20-point-plus game. Russell Westbrook is the only other Thunder rookie with such a streak, February 2009. Yeah, uh, here, I, 29 minutes in, you can use this as your next Chisholm Hayes, Darius Baisley. He's playing against guys we don't know. Let's all keep that in mind, too. I mean, I know who he played against tonight. No, 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 no. Read me that name again that you told me you didn't know who it was. There's one guy, Gabe Vincent. I yeah. knew who Chris Silva was. And Gabe Vincent was, I think, the guy guarding him. So you're proving my point. Let's see, Gabe Vincent. I don't even know. Like He's a guard, so no. He's 6'3". He's not on Darius. No, okay. All right. Hey, everybody. Sorry you didn't get to hear us on the radio. Hopefully, no, they're not. I hope you like baseball. You know, that sport that's going to die fairly soon. Truthfully, it's probably the, better than what we were going to do. Let's be honest. Have the Cardinals played baseball this year? Yes. How many? Not a lot. No. Will they? The question is, will the Cardinals play baseball again? That answer might be no. If they finish their regular season like eight and one, are they just going to like? I think they can claim that they won their league. Winning percentage. Yeah. We got it. I think so. I think that's how that works. There you go, Cardinals fans. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to OKC eighty two podcast. Chisholm, thank you for filling in and not sorry. Sorry about the post-game show, but we'll talk to you later. Sounds good.